allow me to ask a bit of a personal question. What is the driving force of your life? Survival or something perhaps even greater? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, I asked that question at the beginning of this program for a very specific reason. And we're going to be addressing some of that in today's program. Many people, especially on the continent of Africa, only hear this program on the weekend. And a few others only have an opportunity to hear it on the weekend or just the weekend edition on your station. So I try to do a little bit more on this program than I do in the other programs during the week. Oftentimes I can stay with one topic, but on the weekends, I try to summarize what we've talked about during the week, the programs we've done, and before the program is over, instead of being some kind of depressing voice, I try to be a voice of hope. Sometimes, as many of you know, it's not nearly as easy as some people think it can be. This program started almost three years ago. Coming up in about two weeks from now will be the third anniversary of the program Truth to Ponder, and we enter our fourth year of being on shortwave radio and as a podcast matter of fact, the other day, I was looking at a map of the world which shows where people have been listening to this program as a podcast. Gives you a general idea of countries and regions. And I've watched the changes over the years, the growth over the years, and new places in recent months that are listening on a fairly regular basis. Our audience stretches literally to every continent. We are heard in many, many places in Africa, many, many places in Europe, including Russia and Ukraine, just as a matter of letting you know. The United Kingdom, thousands in the United States and Canada. There are many in Australia, New Zealand, I stand amazed at the reach of this little tiny radio program coming to you from a little tiny radio studio in a little tiny town in Southwest Virginia. I do this program not because I make a living out of it, because I don't. I do this program because I felt very led of the Lord three years ago to do it. To share with you the news stories or stories behind the stories that just were not getting out there. And I know it's a small audience as compared to mainstream media and even some of these so-called conservative media. But I have learned one thing about this audience. It is one of the most educated and informed audiences around. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have a pile of college degrees but you do have a great degree of common sense and the ability to discern information, and that is the heart of wisdom. Christianity, 
whether you want to believe this or not, is under assault in ways unimaginable even 10 years ago. Totally unimaginable even in 1962 or 1952 or anywhere along the way. There's been this hatred. It's not just not liking or not wanting to be a part of or being, shall we say, made to feel bad because of. It It now is truly a case of, of vitriol anger. Little example I saw, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. A story was run about Porsche. You know, the expensive automobile from Germany. You know, the same Porsche that made much of the military hardware for the Third Reich in World War II, in some cases even using slave labor. Porsche has some pretty expensive cars. They're two-seater sports cars, like $290,000. I certainly don't have one and never will. But they have a commercial out there where they're showing 60 years that, that have gone by so fast with our sports car. And they have a lot of scenes driving through the years with some of the classic vehicles from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and up to today. And in one of the scenes, it occurs in Portugal, between two cities and a bridge near Lisbon in one of the suburbs. And and there you see in the background this 296-foot-tall pedestal with nothing on it in, in the background. And what Porsche decided to do was remove the statue that was on the pedestal. And so what was that highly offensive statue? It was a statue of Christ the King, very similar to the one in Rio de Janeiro. And it was put up starting in 1946 to celebrate the fact that Portugal had been spared much of the atrocities of the Second World War. And Portia decided that that cross that had been there literally for more than the 60 years that Porsche has been running around their little expensive sports car, they felt it offensive and took it out. They, they just wiped it out electronically and you see a pedestal with nothing on it. And that is typical today of many corporations. They, they have become so into the worldly things and they they realize that the majority of people in the world are not Christians. So it's easy to offend people to faith because they figure that they'll never fight back because they're just, you know, spineless. I stand for my faith, and I'm not ashamed of it. Countries like Canada, they hate truth. Trudeau, I believe, really hates any Christian that speaks real truth and shows the evil that is his government and his policies and the leadership in Ottawa and many of the provinces. Pastor Arthur uh, Pulowski is a good example. They're trying to silence him on bogus charges. They hate the truth. The truth is not in them. We see it in many of the leaders in the United States in the House of Representatives, the United States Senate, in particular the White House, and that total, absolute uh, 
I, I can't describe you, you you I've never seen such a collection of God hating weird people that celebrate sin at a level unprecedented in human history since the days of Noah or Sodom and Gomorrah. But that's the White House in the United States. Christianity under attack in places like Chicago during the pandemic. They shut the churches down more so than any other entity around. And with more cruelty. Even in Kentucky, a so-called conservative state, one of the cities had their Gestapo police force looking at cars parked in a church parking lot to hear the church service in their car with the windows rolled up, with the cars social distance apart. They were taking down license numbers. Sounds like the Gestapo to me. Sounds like the Stasi of East Germany to me. And it sounds more and more like George Orwell's book, 1984, with each passing month, let alone year. Police departments now are becoming nothing more than militarized agencies of the state in too many places. And in many blue states, the idea of justice, uh, protection, what police are supposed to be is a long forgotten dream and it's turned now into a nightmare prosecutors no longer prosecute crimes it doesn't matter if you're robbing stores hurting people even killing people you're not the priority but political enemies are and people of faith present for many the greatest challenge that can be found. I do this radio program each and every every week for those that hear it on the weekend and literally we produce it Monday through Friday to give you some truth and information you're not getting anywhere else. We take on controversial topics and I know that some people will hear me talk about Ukraine and the disaster that has become and the lies that have been told by the mainstream media and, yes, even some of the conservative media. People get mad at me, but I've noticed lately many are beginning to say, you know, Bob, you were right as the truth begins to trickle out. Things I said about the vaccine on this program and others that I invited on the program, I was told I was disinformation an enemy, literally, and yet everything we said on this program has now been proven to be correct. We do this program to give you truth, to give you something to grasp onto, and so you're not tossed to and fro by the lies that are out there from the propagandists, the globalists, and the others. You know, I don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking about this. Everything we hear, and by the way, in case you're wondering what the next pandemic is going to be, it'll be global warming, currently called climate change today. And we've been dissecting many of the lies that have been told about climate change. Historically inaccurate facts. And I shared a hundred predictions last week. 
that should have come true by now by all the experts that never did and never will. Yet they keep saying they got it right this time. And by 50 or 100 years from now, if we don't do things today, it'll. they don't know. It's all about lies and control. It's all about an agenda. And to be honest, just like Porsche taking out the the cross of Christ and Christ the King from a commercial, from a statue that had been standing there since the 1950s, when that car rolled by, they had to airbrush it out, so to speak, make it disappear. They try to make Christianity disappear each and every day. Sunday mornings, always a competitive time for people's time. More and more things to to compete with people that used to go to church. We live in a time where the sheep are being separated from the goats. And I, I have no doubt about that at all in my mind. We are living in a time when the gospel of Jesus Christ is being replaced by the phony gospel of climate change and global warming, even in many churches today. The goal of getting climate change preached during Sunday sermons in many churches, it's taken a long time, but many formerly solid church denominations have thrown out Jesus Christ, have disinvited the Holy Spirit, spit on the face of an almighty God and find themselves worshiping a planet, the creation, and not really worshiping the the creator. I ran into one of these stories a while back. This comes out of a book that came out in 2002 called The Ark of Hope, Built to Carry the Earth Charter. And that, in essence, is to replace the biblical Ark of the Covenant, which housed the Ten Commandments. This idea of the Ark of Hope is an usurping of the authority of God. For us who are Christians, it's not an easy time. We are easily mocked. And they figure, like I said moments ago, we'll just power and not fight back and truthfully that's what many Christians have done they don't fight back they don't stand up they don't share the truth they hide they like their jobs they don't want to be ridiculed they don't want to stand up for their faith the Bible says those that are ashamed of Jesus Jesus will be ashamed of them If you don't confess me before others, he will not confess you before his father. I'm going to be spending some time on that topic in just a few minutes. We're going to take an early break. If you believe in the mission and ministry of this radio program, we are almost completing three full years. End of this month, last day of the month of August, will mark our third anniversary. And many of you have been faithful to support us from all over the world. And right now we need it more than ever. I know that the economy
economy is not good. No matter what lies the press tells you, no matter what lies a politician gives you, the economy is terrible. I get it. And I know it's affected many of you. But if there's anything you can do, it is always appreciated. If you would, you can go to the website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. You can support us from there. Or if you prefer, you can make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. That's Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilhowee, the state is Virginia. And the zip code, postal code is 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. Chilhowee, Virginia. Chilhowee is spelled C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Zip code 24319. Now, as I said, we'll be back on the other side of this short break. I've got a few more very important thoughts to share in this topic. And then we turn toward hope and encouragement. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Children of Elyon, coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. Receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In the Bible, look at how many names have the word Bar after that. Bar. You have Simon Bar-Jonah or Bartholomew. really means, Bar means son of. Bartholomew means son of Tamai. Barabbas means Barabba, the son of the father. We have the word Bar Mitzvah, means son of the commandment. Back then, first names, they had so many common first names that you had to have a, a something at the end to identify. So you had those things. Bar means you are the son of or the child of. Messiah is called Bar Elyon. That Elyon means the highest. Bar Elyon means the son of the most high. And we're to be little versions of him. You're to be a little version, a little child of the most high. What does that mean? Well, you're not to look at yourself based on yourself anymore. Your identity doesn't come from you or from your life or from your past. It comes from your father in heaven. You are no longer to be bar bitterness, a child of bitterness, or bar failure, I'm a child of failure, or bar sin, a child of sin, bar hurt, I'm a child of rejection and hurt and wounds. You know, whatever it is, you are now Bar Elyon, a child of the Most High, and all those other things, that's not you anymore. All you need to know is you are Bar Elyon, a, a child of the Most High. That's your identity. You're born from above, and your identity comes from Elyon, the Most High, and that's who you are, a beloved, holy child of the Most High. Start believing it, start receiving it, and start living like it and acting like it, because you too are a little version of Bar Elyon, a child of the Most High. Want more? Ask for the missing years on CD. Now the free gift for you, the mystery of the temple doors on CD. You'll love it. And sapphires, the riches of your Jewish roots and Jesus teachings, updates on Israel, world events, and prophecy. You'll love it. How do you get all this free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' is really name, Yeshua. 
and you dial it. So to receive your free gifts, just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and the unreached peoples on five continents. It's amazing. The farthest way we can ever spread the gospel, and we do it all the time, on shortwave radio, it's like blanketing the earth with salvation. It's amazing. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. I'd love to hear from you. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy, box 1111. That's in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. The zip is 07644. That's Hope of the... That's actually the nice Jewish boy. And that's box 1111. That's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. It's 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, live like a child of the Most High. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend. And Messiah, El Elyon, the God Most High. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, I started the program today with a question for you. And I want you to think about it as we go into this next segment. There are a lot of people that call themselves Christians. They call themselves followers. They call themselves believers. And many act like they hope that someday when they die, they hope they go to heaven. A lot of people, their faith is something that they control. They put it in a box. They take it out when needed. Otherwise, they never even deal with it. They don't care about it. Oh, when somebody's sick or somebody's dying, yeah, then they might call somebody up to pray. When Sunday morning comes and the weather's a little bit gloomy, maybe it's a good day to stay home. What drives your life, your job, the things you want to achieve for yourself, your bank account, your prestige, your occupation? What are the things you're seeking for yourself? And what should you be seeking for yourself? A lot of people claim to be followers of Christ, claim to be some kind of a Christian, claim to be, but are they really? Let me pose you another question. This is going to be the topic we're going to finish with here today. Are you a follower and a follower of what? All of us tend to follow something. I mean, honestly, most of us do tend to follow something. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's an interest, something that drives you. But my question for you today is, who are you a disciple of? That means a lot more. Being a disciple is a lot more than just a mere follower, a mere spectator. Now, this past Sunday, I preached a sermon on that particular topic to the church, Trinity Chapel at Seven Mile Ford, Virginia, the congregation where I'm pastor. And I believe this particular message is going to be a huge help to somebody listening to this program today. Don't turn it off. Take the time to listen. If you've ever had your doubts or you're not sure, now's the time to be sure. And I believe in listening to this, 
this will be an eye-opening experience for you. So join me in the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia for last Sunday's message. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather around your word today, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. May be seated. What is a disciple? And is it possible to be a Christian without being one? You might not know it, but you are a disciple. It's just a matter of who you're a disciple of. Each one of us is modeling our lives after someone. So who do you follow? What do you listen to? What vision of the good life is capturing your heart? There's no shortage of roads to destruction, but there is one that leads to eternal life. Jesus is calling you down this path, saying, follow me. To be his disciple means to be an apprentice of Jesus, to model your life after him, to be like him. No matter who you are, where you live, what you do, you can live like Jesus, shining his light to your family, to your community, and your workplace. Discipleship is how his kingdom comes. It's how his will is done, here as it is in heaven. But it requires a decision. Will you follow him? Will you learn from him? Will you let him guide your life, your whole life, to be shaped in his image? Are you trying to be a Christian without being a disciple? The question and the invitation is right in front of you. Are you a disciple? And that is a good question. It took me a while to decide last week what I was going to speak about today. Because there are several topics I want to broach over the next several months. And I didn't know when I wanted to discuss discipleship. But I think today's actually a good day, all things considered. I had a conversation with a couple of people this week, actually three different conversations. And in one of the follow-up phone calls, one of the guys said, it seems that whenever I try to do something worthwhile in ministry, something comes up to make it harder. Somebody getting sick, somebody being ill, something going wrong, even little annoyances like this that are technical and understand that yesterday I sat right here in the pews with the unit and everything worked flawlessly, ran it twice from the beginning to the end. And now today, for no apparent reason, we're having issues that we'll have to determine and figure out later. But it is what it is. There's no, no good deed goes unpunished. We've all heard that saying before. And I've learned that in my life and my ministry. I've seen the challenges. I've seen the issues. I've seen the problems. I've seen what we call the underbelly and the underside of the church, which is not a very pretty thing to see because it's the people of the church, not the body of Christ. It's the institution we've created where sometimes we have issues. 
And I think those issues stem every time in any church. I've, I've been in some churches where there's been no conflict and no issues. And that's a wonderful thing. I've been in some that that's all they've ever known in their history is conflict and issues and complaining and murmuring and nothing's right. And we don't like how this is done. We need to fix this. We, I don't like having children in the church. And I, I mean, I've heard it all. And, and I, I remember being asked to go visit a church not far from Asheville, North Carolina, a pretty big church. This is back in the 1990s. They were looking for a new pastor because theirs was retiring. And it had taken him a long time to get to that point of retiring. He was in his early 80s, and he finally decided to let it go. And when I got to that church, you folks are young people here today. We're all teenagers by comparison. A lot of people, a lot of frowns, a lot of angry faces. And I had to sit down because, I remember, I'm, I'm, I preach there. And now I've got to go before their calling committee. And I'm, I'm in there. This one lady asked me a question. She said, I only have one question for you. What do you think about children being in the church? I said, well, Jesus said, suffer little children unto me and forbid them not. Well, I don't like them and I don't want you as my pastor then. Didn't want a ch- children didn't want him in the building, let alone in church. She liked it the way it was when the other guy was here. And I'm thinking, I know that church went through some rocky times after that. They're doing all right now. But sadly, they had to wait till that entire group had died off before they could start resurrecting the church Again, in a near empty building. I've seen that play out a couple of times in my life. And in my tradition, we often call our church a prayer book church because the liturgy for many of the churches that I had been involved with over the years was based on the Book of Common Prayer, and they all loved a certain hymnal, and, and it was almost an idolatry of a book and a hymnal. And, and it started to really annoy me as the years went on. And I call those churches the prayer book burial society. And they hope there's one person left standing when their time comes to bury them using the proper book. They don't understand the word disciple. They're trying to be the leader, not the follower. They're trying to set the rules, not follow what Christ has given us. What did, what did Jesus tell the disciples? Teach them to observe all things that I've taught you. Baptize them, bring them into the faith, teach them, nurture them, grow them in the faith. St. Paul also points out something that a lot of pastors lose sight of. And they got to be careful of it. I have to remind myself daily, Lord, don't let me fall into the trap that it's all about me. It can't be. 
because me may not be here one day. And I can't have an ego so big that, well, if I go, the church can go. I can't be that way. I never want to be that way. It's not what I'm called to be. St. Paul goes, I am so glad I didn't baptize any of you people so they can't say I'm baptized of Paul. You know, they didn't want, he did not want him to be in the picture. I am just the message boy. I bring you the message. I'm no different than you are. I am redeemed, but I am called to share the gospel with you, and you are to be a, what's the word again? Disciple. A follower. When I watched that video earlier this week in looking to assemble this service and I found it, there is a very profound statement made in that video, which really got me thinking. Everybody follows something. And at first I had to think about that for a moment. Every, yeah, I guess they're right. People that don't follow Christ, they're still following something, some ideology, some belief system, even if that belief system's all wrapped around themselves. They're still following something. We are all designed to be followers of something. I remember, I can't even remember which person said this, and it's got to be 40 years ago that I heard it that discussed this idea of who are, you know, there's a God quotient built. There's something that is seeking that is instinctive into all of us. He called it the God quotient. Others have had other names for it, but there's right. We're seeking something, but the biggest danger is when we're seeking and our ego is so big as not to accept something greater than ourselves. And for many, they make it the inanimate universe. Okay, I'm not the top of the heap, but this thing we live in is, and so I'll worship it. And in essence, they do. Oh, they don't have altars and gods and goddesses and all that. They don't have to. They just say, they, they literally, they, they worship, and this is what St. Paul reminds us in, in, the, in the book of Romans. This love of the world and the creation and forgetting the creator is one of those sins before God. You know, this is just my creation. Don't worship what I made. Worship the maker of the creation. Many churches today are making followers but not disciples. And there's a difference. And it took me years to figure this out. I I was the pastor of a pretty large church at one time, and I, I would venture to say that many of the people there were more followers than disciples. Followers tend to go along with the flow. Followers don't have to think. They become almost spectators. Many people follow certain music groups, rock groups back in my day. 
And if they had an opportunity to go to a concert, they would go to the concert because they were followers of that group. And there's some 85-year-old people still following the Rolling Stones. (laughs) They'll still go to the concert. Only concert I know where you check your walkers coming in the door. You know what I mean? (laughs) More handicapped spaces, you know, for a Rolling Stones concert these days. But they're followers. They, they, they are, they're spectators. They're, it's a one-way reception. Does that make any sense? They're, they're excited because they're receiving and receiving and receiving the music. In some churches, you have the same problem. I'm not going to name any, but there's some big-time ministries out there that people become followers of that ministry, but they never become disciples for the cause of Christ. They followed Charles Stanley. Quite, I'm not, not putting him down in any way, don't get me wrong, but I, I've met many people, and I, and I learned this working in Christian radio. Followers of Chuck Swindoll, followers of Charles Stanley, followers of whoever, Michael Youssef, go down the list of well-known names. Or, you know, J. Vernon McGee, who did Through the Bible. I can think of dozens and dozens and dozens. R.W. Schambach, way back in the day. And they talk about following that minister, but then you try to get into... But what are you really following? And what are you and so how often do you share this message with your family, your friends and your coworkers and everybody else you meet? Or are you at home back in those days with your radio and your cassette tapes? Disciples are different than followers. They take following to the next level. They become participants in the work. And this is what the church, I believe, is missing. And this is why when I started this church and I pray, Lord, give me the message to the people that are to hear the message. And I know there's a core that is that starts in any new church. I'm not disappointed when the attendance is low. I understand the dynamics. And if I had even thought or even remember that tomorrow is the first day of school, I would have thought differently about a few things coming into this service today, understanding how many are gone for that last hurrah before school starts or can't be there. And I'm sure this is like the Sunday after Easter, a little bit lower attended or the Sunday after Christmas. You know, you got several times of the year or the Sunday after the 4th of July week. It's another one of those Sundays that tend to be down. Because we do live in a world that has a tremendous amount of responsibility and obligations tossed upon us. I'm praying in my heart and in my mind, and this includes those here in this church and those that are listening either by radio or joining us via the video stream or a playback later. Don't be a mere follower. That's not your goal. That's just a transitional step to that goal. You don't get to senior high school until you go through middle school. And you don't get to middle school until you finish grade school. Or that's how it used to be anyway. Now they kind of just keep pushing some of them through in some places, and I've seen it. But 
normally it is a process. You don't stop at middle school and say, I am fully educated. I'm done. No, you, you want to go to the next step at least and become that disciple. And some that are disciples will become even shepherds and pastor churches and do some of the work of the kingdom. Even St. Paul lays that out. Some are called to be evangelists. Some are teachers. Some are this. You know, he gives a whole list of important ministries, none any more important than the other, all needed. What does St. Paul teach? The body. There's a purpose for all the parts that make us who we are. And when we're missing a part of the body, we are not complete and we have to work around and it's not as easy as it would be if we were complete or whole. It's hard to live without your brain. You're not going to live at all, but it's a part of the body. We have a tongue. We have the ability of speech. And, of course, the Bible warns the tongue can also be one of the most dangerous parts of our beings, the things that we do and say. Matter of fact, it was one of those realities when I was in my 20s to read that verse that explained that it's not the things you do that defile you. It's the things that come out of you and out of your mouth that defile you. That was an eye-opener when I read that. I want this to be a church that develops not spectators. I want this to be a church that develops not just followers, but disciples. These people are now committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the first and preeminent in their lives. He is the reason that we do all the things that we do during the course of the week, and he sustains us, empowers us, blesses us, encourages us. When I I look back, even at the most challenging points in my life, if I had been just a mere spectator, follower, I don't know how I'd ever have gotten through a lot of the things that I've had to deal with. But being his disciple, I know that I am more than just a follower. I am his and he is mine. I am adopted into the the family. I'm not looking from the outside in. I'm inside. I'm trying to remember Adrian Rogers. You may have never heard of him. He uh, he did a program called Grace to You on on radio uh, years ago. No, that was, no, not grace to you. It'll hit me in a minute. But he had a great line one time, and he was talking about the ark and the storms of life. And he said, God calls us to come into the ark. He didn't have Noah, you know, bang on some pegs on the outside to hold on. No, he invited us in. And sometimes the spectators are having a difficult time because they're still on the outside looking in, learning, but they don't really want to be in there yet. They're right on that point of being a spectator, just kind of holding on. 
And when the cares of life come by, it's easy to get knocked off and not be inside. And I've had to deal with that one in my life many a time. How easy it is. Becoming a disciple is not easy, but it's not hard. The good news is, well, the bad news is we can't do it on our own. The good news is he will do it for us to bring us in. A lot of churches, and I don't know the churches around here that well, so I'm not referring to anything or place you may be familiar with. But I'll think in terms of some large ones that I have visited over the day where everything is so well choreographed. Sure, we want to do things decently and in order and I'd like to get this to work so the, so the service will flow and make, make sense to all of us. But some get to the point that everything is choreographed to the max for an emotional response. I mean, literally devised to do that. And people become spectators, but they're still, they, they come, they fill the buildings, the light show turns on, the, everything strikes up, it's all wonderful, and they leave. And if you talk to somebody two days later and say, so what did the pastor talk about this past Sunday? Ah, uh, the Bible. Ah, uh, oh, the, the music was great. And I've run into that. They can't tell you anything about what they prayed for, what they learned, what was shared, because the message was more of a pep talk than trying to get you into God's Word. Encouraging, yes. A bad thing, no. But I think sometimes in an effort to, what is the term, lower the common denominator? You've heard that term, you know, we kind of just, you know, kind of distill it down. So as not to offend and to appease. Now, there are going to be times that I preach that I'm not appeasing anybody. And you may not even agree with me. But understand that I have prayerfully considered it and I make sure that I have God's peace about it before I open my mouth. Because God forbid that I ever open my mouth without his permission when I'm standing here. And there are times that I come out here to, to speak to you and this has been my history in other churches. I don't even know what I'm about to say. I have a general idea, and then the Lord just, you know, one idea, and it just, he t- the Holy Spirit ties it together. You that are here today are really the disciples. You're more than mere followers. If you want to break it down, one more, one last, one last item. Among the disciples that Jesus had, there's one, he calls them his disciples, but there was one that was a mere follower that we know of, and that's Judas. He followed along for what he could get. And when he saw he's not going to get much, he sold out for 30 pieces of silver and moved on. There's some other disciples. We don't know what their full ministry was. We think we know some. But some we know definitely what they did in the cause of Christ. These were the ones, like Peter, that really laid it down for the Lord in their life. St. Paul, called by Jesus himself, knocked off his high horse, literally. That's where the term comes from. We'll knock you off your high horse. 
Well, the Holy Spirit, with the power of the light of Christ, knocked him off his high horse and blinded him for a spell. When he saw the light of Christ's glory for just a brief instant. I believe Jesus is building a church that's going to be full of disciples, not just mere followers. And if I ever am trying to get you to, quote, follow me and not him, remind me of that fact. You're not here to follow me. I'm here to follow the lead that Jesus, my Savior, gave me and try to be obedient. Sure, I mean, I'm human. I try to do things here and I try to preach and I try to organize a service that's easy to understand, that fits in our time that we're living in, but is still a first century message as the apostles gave it. There's no compromise in the theology here and never will be. Expressions and styles change, but the Word of God, it's unchanged. There was a song based on a scripture. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never, glory to his name. That's the message today. Jesus hasn't changed, our world has. His word hasn't changed, our attitudes have. Our sin is still upon us, though many now celebrate it instead of repent of it. And he's still coming again. And he seeks those to follow him and become his disciples. Many have followed. There's some that just never get to discipleship. They don't help much in the kingdom. But God raises people and leaders to do his will according to his plan. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today for this message. Each one of those that are here today, Lord, I know you have a special blessing intended for them. There's a reason that each and every one of them is here today. They may not know it, but Lord, you'll reveal it by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for this little church that you give those of us here the wisdom to know what to do to share this better within our communities. I know, Lord, there are many that should be here today. There are many that don't even know of us that will be here someday. Prepare our hearts, our minds, our facilities in obedience to what you would have us do. For this we ask in Jesus' name. And Lord, there's anything within our lives that is a stumbling block that causes us not to be the disciple you've called us to be. I pray now that, Lord, you relieve us of those things, guide us, encourage us, and open our eyes. For this we ask in Jesus' name and all the congregation said, amen and amen. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Beerman. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold. Pure. 
If you believe in the ministry that we're doing here, we also need to hear from you. We do this program, Truth to Ponder. We're going to be celebrating our third anniversary at the end of this month. August 31st was the first program. It happened to be a Monday. 
for Truth to Ponder on radio. And we have been here consistently for three years. Thanks to many of you. We would not be on the radio if it wasn't for the faithful people, many like yourself, that have prayed for this ministry and those that can financially supported this ministry. And as we get ready to enter our fourth year, there are many things on my heart and my mind. I feel that there needs to be changes in the work and ministry that I'm doing. All good ones, I might add. We spent a lot of time the first year talking about nothing but COVID-19 and then vaccines and then corruption and then elections and all the, the things of this world. And through it all, we've tried to give you a positive message from a biblical point of view. We try to look at the world from a distinctly Christian, not a compromised Christian point of view. And lately I've been feeling so much leading, that's the only word that comes to mind, to bring this program into a slightly different direction to add other voices to this program that are people that understand certain aspects of all that you and I are going through. There's only so much that I can do. I need additional guests. I need additional segments. And I'm counting If you believe in our mission and ministry here at Truth to Ponder, I need you to pray for us. I really do. I need you to share this program with your family and your friends. I really do. It means more to me than you'll ever know. In addition, if you can financially support us, that would mean you'll ever know as well. You can do that by going to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. From there, you can support us using Give, Send, Go online. It is a Christian organization. They have been wonderful. They've been reliable, safe, and secure. And so if you prefer online giving, that's the way to go. Also, you can support us by making a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code in Chilhowie is 24319. That's 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. Would you pray for us? Would you encourage us? Would you let us know that you're listening? Until next week, may God bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.